You are now listening to Mark the Medium of Mark's Unexplained World on Hinkley Community Radio, a non-profit podcast radio station. Tonight's episode is about the consequences of Ghost Watch. Ghost Watch was a British reality horror pseudo-documentary television film that was first broadcast on BBC One back in Halloween night on 1992. Despite having been recorded weeks in advance, the narrative of the show was presented as if it was a live television broadcast. Both during and following the show's first and only UK television broadcast, the show attracted very considerable furor, which resulted in an estimated one million phone call inquiries to the BBC switchboard on the night of the broadcast alone. The phone calls varied widely in subject matter and were comprised of a mixture of both complaints and poor and praise for the programme's very unique presentation. This show has actually never been repeated on any UK television channel since its first showing. Greetings, Unexplainers. Thank you once again for tuning in and compelling yourselves to listen to another very informative but slightly off-kilter episode of Mark's Unexplained World. My name is Mark Hughes. I'm a psychic medium, a Reiki healer, and a closet fan of Sabrina the Teenage Witch. Just ask the wife. In this week's show, I'm going to tell you the story about the consequences of Ghost Watch. And this week's necessary disclaimer. In this week's show, I will be touching on the subject of suicide and PTSD. So, like all my shows, you listen at your own discretion, with all opinions and comments being strictly my own, but with the facts still remaining. I also apologise if I pronounce anything incorrectly. What can I say, but my English is my own worst enemy, second only to my writing. So sit back and relax as we, as we return to this week's story. Ghostwatch was first broadcast on BBC One on Halloween night back in 1992. It was presented as a live broadcast and hosted by the late great Michael Parkinson in a serious attempt to present some real evidence of the paranormal. The programme starts by launching an on-air investigation into a fictional house which is located in the fictional area of Foxhill Drive, Northholt, in Greater London. The mother of the household, Pamela Early, played by Brid Brennan, and her two daughters, Suzanne and Kim, played by Michelle Wesson and Sherry Wesson, respectively, are tormented by a poltergeist, 
that one of the daughters, Kim Early, ended up calling Pipes, mainly due to the noises they kept hearing supposedly made by the household plumbing. Pipes, who was played by actor Keith Ferrari in the broadcast, routinely possesses and then harms one of the daughters, mainly Suzanne Early, and it was said to dwell in the basement of the house, which was also otherwise referred to as the <clears throat> glory hole. The main host of the show, Michael Parkinson, was supported by fellow hosts Sarah Green, who ventured into the house to spend the night with the Early family, and her husband, the late Mike Smith, who oversees staged phone calls from the public who wish to share their own ghost stories. And finally, Red Dwarf star Craig Childs, who is out and about interviewing the local residents regarding the street's violent history. Sarah Green is accompanied by her camera crew, Chris Miller and Mike Ayton, who were played by real BBC technicians for the more authentic touch. Michael Parkinson is joined in the studio by another guest, a parapsychologist, sorry, I'll try that one again, a, a psychologist, Dr. Lynn Pascoe, played by actress Gillian Bevan, who is said to be studying the paranormal phenomena. At first, the broadcast seemed quite harmless, but as the movie progresses, paranormal phenomena starts to occur in the house. That is, until one of the daughters, Suzanne Early, is exposed making noises, which convinced the main host, Michael Parkinson, that the whole haunted house thing is a hoax. Suzanne Early then speaks with a much deeper demonic voice and then scratches begin to develop across both her arms. Back in the studio, the public share their ghost stories through the phone lines. With a, with, with a numerous number of callers mentioning that they have seen pipes lurking around in the house. And not only that, but the paranormal incidents are starting to happen in their own home, miles away from where the house is set. The story of pipes' background is then slowly pieced together. Craig Childs, who is out and about amongst the neighbourhood crowds, interviews one of the neighbours, who mentioned a certain Mother Seddons, who was a Victorian baby farmer who actually murdered children and was reimagined as a bogeyman by the locals. Later on, back at the studio, an anonymous call from Pipe's probation officer reveals that Pipe's real name was Raymond Tunstall, who was a disturbed paedophile who believed he was possessed by the aforementioned Mother Seddons, and he ended up hanging himself in the <clears throat> glory hole, where his body was eventually eaten by his relative's cats. 
As the paranormal activity increases, the house grows increasingly dangerous with one of the daughters, Suzanne Early, disappearing. However, she is heard calling for help from within the locked <clears throat> glory hole. The camera crew get together and try to force the locked door open, only for a mirror to fall and wound one of them, this time Mike Aiton. Then suddenly it all becomes quiet again and the footage from the house to the studio shows that the early family home has returned back to normal, whatever that means. However, it isn't long before the psychologist, Dr. Lynn Pascoe, realises that the footage being shown in the studio is actually footage repeated from an earlier part in the broadcast. Dr. Lynn Pascoe realises that Mr. Pipes has used the earlier broadcast to create a nationwide seance circle, invading the public's homes. Meanwhile, back at the house with the live broadcast, mother and daughter, Pamela and Kim Early, along with the injured cameraman, Mike Ayton, are evacuated from the house. While inside the house, Sarah Green and the other cameraman, Chris Miller, attempt to rescue the other daughter, Suzanne Early, from the glory hole. But, unknown to everyone involved in the rescue, Pipes had other ideas, and Sarah Green is dragged through the cellar door into the <clears throat> glory hole, which then slams shut. I'd like to say that Sarah Green was dragged through the door kicking and screaming, but she wasn't. She seems to go into the um, <clears throat> glory hole quite nonchalantly. The programme finally concludes with Pipes taking over the studio, causing everyone on set, including Mike Smith, Dr Lynn Pascoe, all the in-studio telephone handlers, camera crews, cleaners, tea makers, and even the man on the grip to run around panicking and flee from the studios. Everyone, that is, except for Michael Parkinson. Michael Parkinson is left wandering around in the darkened studio, beginning to show signs that he may have been possessed by Mr. Pipes. And so it is at this point that the movie comes to an end and the credits then roll. After the first short break, we'll look at the controversy and the aftermath that followed over the next few days, weeks and even years. This show is brought to you courtesy of Neil Packer and the Haunted Antiques Paranormal Research Centre. Find them online at www.hauntedresearchcentre.com or at 9211 Regent Street, Hinckley, 
L-E-10-1-A-W. Open on Saturdays from 10am to 4pm for guided tours of the haunted rooms at just £3 per person. Booking is essential at all times and over 16s only please unless accompanied by an adult. The haunted rooms are extremely haunted and paranormal activity could and has taken place at any time. Some areas and particular objects or items can be quite scary and unnerving. Membership is available for £25 to qualify for selective offers. And why not download the app available on both iOS and Android for only $3.99 to keep up to date with what is coming up at the centre. The story of Ghost Watch is, of course, based loosely on the case of which we all know about, the Enfield Poltergeist. On an interesting side note, the Enfield Poltergeist was a claim of supernatural activity at number 284 Green Street in Enfield, London, United Kingdom and occurred between the years of 1977 and 1979. The poltergeist activity itself appeared to centre around the two sisters, Janet and Margaret Hodgson. Some source of the, sorry, some members of the Society of Phys Psychical Research, or the SPR, such as the inventor Maurice Gross and the writer Guy Lyon Playfair, both believed the hauntings to be genuine, while others remained unconvinced, and found evidence that the girls had faked several incidents for the benefit of the journalists. The story not only attracted press coverage in British newspapers, but has been mentioned in books, featured in television and radio documentaries, and dramatised in the 2016 horror film The Conjuring 2. The presentation of the Ghost Watch movie contained very realistic elements which in turn suggested to the casual everyday viewer that it was in fact an actual documentary. A behind the scenes look at the production shows that the studio scenes were recorded at the BBC Elstree Studios and the scenes based at the house and the street were all shot on location but around five to six weeks before the recording of the studio section of the film. The previously recorded scenes from the house and street were then played into the studio where Michael Parkinson, Mike Smith and the fictional Dr Lynn Pascoe had to interact with them. A phone number was shown on the screen so that the viewers could call in and discuss any paranormal phenomena. The phone number used by the movie was the standard BBC call-in number at the time, 081 811 
1881, which had also been used for the Saturday morning children's programmes such as Going Live. Callers who got through were connected first to a pre-recorded message telling them that the show was in fact fictional, before being given the chance to share their own ghost stories. However, this inadvertently backfired when the phone number was besieged by callers during the film showing, and many people who telephoned simply got the engaged tone, and as this was a very common occurrence when phoning the BBC regarding calling shows, it inadvertently added to the realism instead of reassuring viewers that it was in fact fiction. You have to remember that this was 1992, so things like emails, texting and mobile phones weren't as common as they are today. So the only way of contacting the BBC or any studio would have been through the use of the house phone. Ghostwatch was originally conceived by writer Stephen Volk, who wrote TV dramas like Afterlife and My House is Haunted. It was originally put to the BBC as a six-part drama series in which a fictional paranormal investigator and a TV reporter investigate the poltergeist activity at a North London housing estate, gradually discovering more elements of the mystery each week. This would have all culminated in the final episode in a live TV broadcast from the property in which all hell breaks loose. However, when theatrical director and BBC producer Ruth Baumgarten doubted the viability of the entire miniseries, she recommended instead to do a 90-minute TV special with Volk, then suggesting that they, and I quote, do the whole thing like uh, episode six, portraying it as an actual live BBC broadcast, fronted by well-known TV personalities. However, the BBC became concerned about the effect the broadcast would have on the public, so much so that they very nearly pulled the show shortly before it was due to be broadcast. As a compromise, they insisted on adding opening credits which included the writer's name in addition to a Screen 1 title sequence to establish the show's identity. Throughout the programme, the makers used many examples of alleged paranormal phenomena. During the course of the movie, there were many references to characters being allegedly possessed by the spirit of Mr Pipes, who, whilst doing so, maniacally recited nursery rhymes. This happens in a tape recording of the eldest daughter, Suzanne Early, and to Suzanne again in a live session of the show. Eventually, the possession leads to the main host, Michael Parkinson himself. Household objects that were mutilated by spirit phenomena are shown to be analysed by the army, who found that these objects had supposedly been subjected to a rapid temperature change. 
In both the alleged recordings and the live segment of the movie, we can see objects moving of their own accord, which it is claimed was a direct result of poltergeist activity. And not only that, but a perfectly round patch of water appears on the living room carpet, and some animal scratch marks appear on the daughter Suzanne Early's face. Banging noises are intimately intermittently heard during the show, sorry about that, with the producers playing playing on this by exposing Suzanne as the one causing the disturbance. So you could say Suzanne Early was creating a hoax within the hoax. However, the accusations were short-lived due to both girls being accounted for when the banging continued. Near the end of the programme, when the wind blows through the studio, the cups and plates brought in by psychologist Dr Lynn Pascoe as evidence of paranormal activity in the house, begin to move of their own accord, with one cup falling onto the studio floor, smashing into pieces. Although the spirit of Mr Pipes is only heard to speak through the voices of other actors, we do hear this disembodied voice, sorry, let me try that one again. We do hear disembodied sounds of cats whenever any phenomena takes place. After this second short break, we'll look at the consequences of the film on some of the general public's mental health. Fright Nights was established in 1999 as the first company in the world to offer overnight ghost hunt experiences to the general public, pioneering paranormal events since the last century. Fright Nights operate at hundreds of the UK's most haunted and exclusive venues. All events have their own team of experienced paranormal investigators, mediums and psychics. They have a VIP members club for regular returning guests, offering loyalty discounts and exclusive invitation only events. They can also host private events for your family and friends. You can contact them on 07 852 998 628 or email them at office at frightnights.co.uk or take a look at their website at www.frightnights.co.uk where you can see the many locations they investigate and learn about them and the opportunities they have available. Hundreds of ghost hunters join Fright Nights every month for the most thrilling ghost hunting experiences they'll never forget. If you haven't been on a ghost hunt before, then why not join them to see what it's all about? Why not visit their social media sites for up-to-date information on all the places they visit and to see what's coming up in the future? They look forward to seeing you all soon. Fright Nights Ghost Hunting Events. Remember, only the original will do.
Ghostwatch was originally aired under the Screen One drama banner. On another interesting side note, Screen One was a British television anthology drama series produced by the BBC and distributed by BBC Worldwide. It was transmitted on BBC One from 1989 to 1998. A total of six series were broadcast, incorporating 60 individual films, several of which were broadcast as standalone specials. The documentary style of Ghostwatch led many viewers to believe that the events were real, causing much controversy after the show's airing. The BBC was inundated with phone calls, around 30,000 in all, to be precise. Most of them were from irate and frightened viewers, and to cap it all, amongst all the phone calls, there was even Michael Parkinson's very concerned elderly mother. The next day, the British tabloids and other newspapers went into overdrive, criticising the BBC for the disturbing nature of some of the scenes, such as Sarah Green's final scene where she is locked in an understairs cupboard or the aforementioned <coughs> glory hole, with the howling spirit of Mr Pipes and of course not forgetting Michael Parkinson being possessed. Sarah Green did appear on the following Monday's Children's BBC to reassure younger viewers that the show was not real and that she was perfectly fine and dandy. Much to the younger viewers' relief. There was also a number of psychological effects that were reported from up and down the country in Ghostwatch's wake. An 18-year-old factory worker called Martin Denham who suffered from learning difficulties and had a mental age of 13, took his own life five days after the movie aired. The family home had suffered with a faulty central heating system, which had caused the pipes in the walls to knock, and Martin Denham then linked this to the knocking activity in Ghostwatch, which in turn caused him great worry and anxiety. He left a suicide note reading, and I quote, If there are ghosts, I will be with you always as a ghost. His mother and stepfather, April and Percy Denham, pointed a finger at the BBC. They claimed that their son, Martin Denham, was hypnotised and obsessed by the programme. The Broadcasting Standards Commission, or what's now known as the Office of Communications, or Ofcom for short, refused their complaint, along with the 34 other complaints about the show as being outside their remit. However, the High Court granted the Denhams permission for a ju judicial, is it judicial, is judicial. It? judicial, sorry, for a judicial review, which required the Broadcasting Standards Commission to hear their complaint. In its ruling, the Broadcast Standards Commission stated that, and I quote, The BBC had a duty to do more than simply hint at the deception it was practising on the audience. In Ghostwatch, there was a deliberate attempt to cultivate a sense of menace. 
they also ruled that the program was excessively distressing and graphic, referring to the scratches on the children and the reference to mutilated animals, and that it had aired too soon after the 9pm watershed. They further stated that, and I quote, The presence in the programme of presenters familiar from children's programmes took some parents off guard in deciding whether their children could continue to view. The film's producers argued that Ghostwatch had aired during a slot allocated for drama and that this was recognisable as fiction to a vast majority and that running disclaimers and other announcement during the programme would have ruined its effectiveness. However, they also stated that, and I quote, Had they anticipated the audience reaction, they would have made its fictional nature clearer. After the Broadcasting Standard Commission ruling, the BBC offered an apology. Or issued an apology, sorry. Dr D. Simmons and W. R. Silveria published a report in the British Medical Journal in February 1994, describing two cases of ghost watch-induced post-traumatic stress disorder in two children, both of whom were just 10-year-old boys. They stated that the, these were the first reported cases of PTSD caused by a television programme. On another interesting side note, post-traumatic stress disorder, or PTSD as it is more commonly called, is a, a mental and behavioural disorder that develops from experiencing a traumatic event, such as sexual assault, traffic collision, child abuse, domestic violence and any other threat, threats on a person's life or well-being. Symptoms may include disturbing thoughts, feelings or dreams related to the event and an increase in the fight or flight response that we all have. Young children are less likely to show distress but instead may express their memories through their play. A person with post-traumatic stress disorder is at a higher risk of suicide and intentional self-harm. Responses to an article in the British Medical Journal described a further four cases in children aged between 11 and 14, as well as one case in a child of just eight years old, that stemmed from watching the BBC One pre-watershed medical drama Casualty. They noted, sorry, the journal also noted that there was a potential for similar PTSD reactions in more elderly people. However, the conclusion of the article states, and I quote, The rapid resolution of the children's symptoms suggests that the children suffered a brief anxiety reaction to the television programme. Although they may have exhibited some of the features of post-traumatic stress disorder, this diagnosis in their cases is inappropriate. So, let's take a look at the hero, or villain, of the show, Mr Pipes, the film's fictional evil spirit. 
Mr Pipes, who is portrayed by the actor Keith Ferrari, is depicted as a merging or a coming together of negative spiritual energies, which parapsychologist Dr Len Pascoe then theorises. Must have been accumulating for years, possibly even back to prehistory. Pipes' physical appearance mostly resembles that of the deceased child molester Raymond Tunstall, a fictional character who it is revealed by a phone-in caller committed suicide at the haunted property sometime back in the 1960s after he himself was possessed by the same entity. In his appearance, his eyes are missing and his face is badly mauled, owing to Raymond Tunstall locking himself up with his multiple pet cats prior to his suicide. And the cats, having gotten a little peckish, decided they would dine on Raymond's rotting corpse in the weeks prior to the discovery of the body. Yum, yum. The entity also wears a black woman's dress, likely to be that of the baby farmer and child killer, the aforementioned Mother Seddons. In May 2010, at a public screening of the film at The Invisible Dot in Camden, film director Leslie Manning revealed that she provided the voice of the Mr Pipes spirit after the professional voice artist who was hired for the production could not accurately replicate the style of voice she had intended for the character. Mr Pipes can be seen throughout the show several times and managed to spot him a few times when watching. Early in the show, Mr Pipes is seen standing in the <coughs> glory hole. He is also seen during one of the interviews outside the house in the street with the audience behind Craig Giles and during the children's first bedroom replay that is requested by Dr Lynn Pascoe. I also found him behind Dr Lynn Pascoe in one of the studio interviews as her and Michael Parkinson listened to a recording. He is noticeable as a reflection in the glass window in the kitchen with Sarah Green. And later on in the show, when things start kicking off, Pipes is seen standing by the curtains by one of the cameramen. I'm sure there are plenty other Mr Pipes sightings throughout the movie, and I'm sure there are plenty of websites out there that will help you find him. The Ghost Watch brand has been credited for being the direct inspirations for several other successful horror movies. A comment left by Ghostwatch writer Stephen Volk on the official Ghostwatch Behind the Curtains homepage claims that the British illusionist Darren Brown once told him that the film had at least partly or partially inspired his similarly 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 controversial TV hoax seance. Sorry guys. This was later confirmed by Darren Brown himself whilst being interviewed for the BBC4 documentary Ghost in the Machine. More recently, the creative team behind the 2020 British Zoom-based computer screen horror film Host 
have credited Ghostwatch as an influence. Co-writer Jed Shepard, who had appeared on a podcast with the Ghostwatch writer Stephen Volk prior to working on Host, stated in an interview that he and many collaborators considered Host to be their version of Ghostwatch and noted that the film has, and I quote, a lot of Ghostwatch references, including displaying a Zoom caller ID of 31101992, which is referring to the date of Ghostwatch's only British broadcast. At the time, the film was met with positive response from both fans and critics alike. Notably, one of the leading film and TV magazines, SFX, awarded the movie two out of five stars, and Starburst awarded it ten. Uh, sorry, awarded it eight out of ten on their rating score. And although the film is available on Blu-ray, DVD, and a few American-based streaming channels, it has yet to be repeated in full on any UK-based television channel following its initial broadcast back in 1992. Thank you all for taking the time out to listen to this episode of Mark's Unexplained World. In our next episode, show number 61, we are going to be looking at the Dudley Town Curse. Dudley Town is a small part of a Cornwall township in a Connecticut village in the United States of America. Yes, it is very confusing when so many events happen in areas that have the same location names as places over here in Blighty. It is a place that has experienced an unfathomable amount of bad luck since its exception back in 1747. Bouts of insanity, suicides, murder and unrecognisable creatures of the night have plagued the city throughout its relatively short history. Many people wonder if the surrounding forest drove those who resided in Dudley Town to madness or if the land itself is to blame as it was once used as a Native American burial site for the Mohawk people tribes. Sightings of strange demonic creatures emerging from the forest have been reported multiple times over the decades. Others have speculated that what took place in Dudley Town was simply a product of its time, along with the lack of viable resources. This show was written and researched by myself, Mark Hughes, and proofread and edited by Linda Hughes. The actors in this episode were Mark Hughes, Linda Hughes and Denise Pula. With special thanks to Neil Packer and the staff at the Haunted Antiques Paranormal Research Centre in Hinckley. And a big thanks to everyone for listening. Mark's Unexplained World, because there's more to the paranormal than meets the third eye. And remember guys, keep it real, because being real is better than being perfect. 
This show and all its contents are covered by basic copyright of Mark the Medium.